Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Welcome to Prophecy Today, a special edition, 2018, a year in review. And may I be the first, or maybe among those in the beginning, who want to wish you a very blessed new year. Hope you had a great Christmas. So glad you could get together for us on this afternoon as we look at current events in light of biblical prophecy. All of our broadcast partners standing by around the world, we're going to talk with them. We'll look at some of the late-breaking news, but also 2018, a year in review. View. And I want just to tell you right now that I must announce a challenge gift for prophecy today. Multiply the impact of your end of the year giving. I'll just say briefly, a supporter of prophecy today has recently offered to match any gift given through the end of the year up to $25,000. This generous offer is an exciting way for you to double the impact of your giving. Tell you more about it maybe about an hour into the broadcast. Thank you for whatever you may do to help our ministry to continue into the 30th anniversary as we get the message around the world of the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Well, let's get underway with our broadcast partners. The man who covers geopolitical activities for us, Ken Timmerman, travels all around the world. We catch him here in the United States right now. And Ken, everything we'll talk about, we'll get to some of the items we might miss in late-breaking news that have been going on all year long. We'll talk about that. But Russia now, who's been involved in Syria and the Middle East, a major player there, accusing Israel of gross violation of Syrian sovereignty when there was attack on Christmas Eve there in Damascus. Well, that's right. And the Israelis did what they have done many, many times over this past year. They launched airstrikes on Hezbollah. In particular, they went after Hezbollah weaponry, and also they went after leaders of Hezbollah as they were taking a flight from Damascus to Tehran. Now, we don't know whether they hit the aircraft or not. The Russians accused uh, the Israelis of endangering two civilian jetliners, and they diverted one of them to a Russian airbase in Syria. But uh, what was noticeable here as well is that the Syrians did not use their new Russian-built air defense systems. Uh, My guess is it was too close to the civilian air traffic for them to do so. Interesting that they're dealing with the situation there in Damascus. The book of Isaiah chapter 17 does talk about Damascus as well. Well, Iran wants to deploy about 100,000 more fighters into Syria. That's not good news as far as Israel is concerned, but it's where the things are going to happen. Well, this was an announcement, a quite surprise announcement, from the outgoing chief of the Israel Defense Forces, the IDF, and he said that that's the goal of the Iranians, is to build up a fighting force in Syria of 100,000 men strong. That is a very large force. It's roughly 10 times what the Iranians are currently believed to have deployed in Syria of their own people. Now, they've got tens of thousands more that they've recruited in Iraq uh, from Pakistan and from Afghanistan. But actual Iranian fighters are not believed to be more than 10,000 of them today. And what's also important here is the statement by the outgoing IDF chief is that whereas the IDF, he admitted, uh, may have failed 
Israeli citizens, to give them a sense of security from missile attacks from Gaza. He said, but, you know, our real focus has been on Iran and has been to thwart Iran's presence in Syria, to keep them always on edge, always on the run. And he was the one who said what they really want to do is have 100,000 troops there. And we prevented them from being able to do that. Much of what we do in the IDF, he said, is not perceived by the public. It's not understood. They can't see what's going on. But he says our focus has been on Iran to degrade their forces and to impede them from establishing this very, very large ground force in neighboring Syria. Well, and that's a natural thing, is it not, Ken? Because uh, you don't want to reveal your military plan before it takes place. And if you started keeping the community alert to everything, you might have some problems with uh, pulling off that mission. Well, that's right. And, you know, there's a careful balance. We have that in the United States as well. There's a balance between the need for to keep tactical plans secret. Every military needs to do that. And the need to keep the public informed. And as a careful balance, and that's why I think you have the statement from the outgoing IDF chief, was just to let people know that there are things happening I can't tell you about, but please believe me, the Iranians have very, very bad plans, and we have been working very hard to thwart them. Somebody's on top of the Turkish forces who are moving some of their troops ahead into the Syrian op that's going to take place, of course, with the pullout of the U.S. troops from President Trump's announcement coming out of Syria uh, that was open, and uh, that secret's gone, so Turkey's taking advantage of it. Turks have announced that they're going to go into Manbij, which is this area uh, that is currently controlled by the Kurdish fighters uh, of the YPG. They, the Turks call them terrorists. Uh, I know them pretty well they're not terrorists. They just uh, believe in Kurdish autonomy, both in Syria and in Turkey. But the Turks have waited. You know, they haven't yet crossed in. We're led to believe that President Trump asked Erdogan to delay the Turkish incursion into Syria until the U.S. troops were gone, and presumably until the Kurds could reposition themselves so they would not bear the brunt of Turkey's move. Well, those activities happening in the Middle East so quickly unfolding, most of the time it's mostly difficult for us to stay on top of them in uh, we don't get all the information from these military operators as well. You've been often into Iraq, up especially in northern Iraq. You know the people there. Uh, there was a celebration at Christmas time by the Iraqi Christians because of the defeat of Islamic State. Two-part question. Did they really defeat Islamic State? And number two, are they going to be able to stay on top of everything after the celebration seems to indicate Mission accomplished. Well, first of all, it was great to see Christians in Karakosh, where I was just a few weeks ago, celebrate Christmas in their churches, in their community. Life is slowly returning to the Nineveh Plain, which is the historic homeland of Iraq's Christian population. Businesses are coming back in Karakosh itself. This is the biggest town in the Nineveh Plain, around 25,000 today, used to be 60,000. So just about half of the people have come back. But even so, at night, it's, it's lively. The shop windows are lit. Uh, lights in the streets. People are walking. They're going out to restaurants. The liquor stores are open. Very important in the Christian area, believe me. And people are somewhat hopeful. They're cautiously 
hopeful because they know ISIS is still out there. ISIS has been defeated. Let's, let's be clear about that. ISIS no longer has a physical area that they control. They've gone on underground. There's thousands of fighters out there that have gone to ground, but they do not control a caliphate. They do not control territory in Syria and Iraq. And that, by the way, was the goal of President Trump when he came into office, was to smash their physical caliphate, and he did that. That mission has been accomplished. But ISIS can still regroup, uh, and there are still you still see the signs that I describe in my book, ISIS Begins, of a renewal of ISIS. So they can come back. The danger is still there, and the Christians in northern Iraq, uh, while they're celebrating Christmas, they understand that ISIS could return. Ken, in the time that I have left, let me just throw out a couple of phrases which would relate to what has been happening in 2018, may even have a play in 2019 as well. The killing of the journalists there at the Saudi embassy in uh, Turkey and all of the ramifications of that. Well, that has really been a difficult event for the United States because President Trump has embraced Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, who appears to have been behind it. But nevertheless, I continue to worry that this may have been a manipulation by the Turks because all the information coming out has been by Turkey, and Turkey is trying to diminish Mohammed bin Salman, who is against the Muslim Brotherhood, which Turkey has been supportive. So there's a a big um, rivalry going on there behind the scenes. Civil war going on in Syria with Russia and Iran involved seems to be winding down, but is that the case? Could it pick up again in 2019? I think the war is winding down, and I think one conclusion is already just about certain, is that Assad is going to stay in power. Bashar al-Assad, the president of Syria, will remain in power. He's won his war uh, with the help of Russia and Iran, the Syrian Free Democratic uh, Army and the other Syrian fighters who are opposing the government have been pretty much defeated, and the U.S. has been trying to uh, orchestrate a rapprochement between the Kurds in northern Syria and the government so that Syria will allow them to live in peace in the semi-autonomous zone. And that is a that is actually a big improvement, and, and that's a, a big plus going forward. And I'm going to give you a pretty tough task. The Trump presidency in 2018, you've got 30 seconds. <laughs> well, uh, President Trump is fulfilling many of his promises. He's promised to put America first. He's done that in trade talks. He's uh, t- gotten tough on China, uh, and China has been ripping us off, as he has said, for uh, decades. And uh, now the Chinese are, gr- are just beginning to change their policies. He's made good on his economic promises with uh, tax cuts and getting the economy going again. And he's made good on his promises to reduce America's engagements, military engagements overseas. He's bringing uh, troops home from Syria, as he promised to do. So. Uh, This is a president who made promises during the campaign, but is actually fulfilling them one after the other, and people are surprised. And let me remind everybody, presidents who make political decisions actually are setting prophecy in place. That is the case with Donald Trump. We didn't even talk about what he did in Jerusalem. I'll talk with other broadcast partners about that. Ken, a very happy, blessed New Year to you, my friend. We look forward to talking to you again next year. See you next year, as they say, Jimmy. God bless. Thank you, sir. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, David Dolan's standing by. He has a Middle East news update for us. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today.
Prophecy Today is heard all across the USA on the Prophecy Today radio network, but also it is heard around the world through our website at prophecytoday.com. And Jay, there are many other features on our prophecytoday.com website, like daily news updated out of the Middle East as it pertains to what's happening prophetically. Special reports can be heard right on our website at prophecytoday.com. We have Prophecy Q&A available for you. Questions asked in the past can be answered on the website if you just check it out and go to that particular spot. Prophecy Quiz is available, and parts of our Prophecy Today program, if you should miss any part of it, will be heard the next week right here at prophecytoday.com. And don't forget, you can even email your questions to us for our live radio broadcast. Just go to our website at prophecytoday.com. You'll be amazed, you'll be surprised at what you'll find on our website. Be sure to visit us at prophecytoday.com on the World Wide Web. Have you ever wanted to know more about God's plan for the future? Have you ever tried to understand prophetic passages in God's Word, like, say, the book of Revelation, and been frustrated at not being able to figure it out? Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest CD series, Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, will help you gain the ability to understand where to start in your study of prophecy and allow you to read God's Word in a new and exciting way. Understanding God's prophetic Word will allow you to live a pure and productive life until Jesus returns for the church. Keys will help you gain the tools you need to understand the end-time events as foretold in God's Word. Dr. DeYoung lays out a systematic approach to Bible prophecy for those who want to know God's plan for the future. Tracks included are A Roadmap Through the End Times, The Jew in Jerusalem, Daniel and the Antichrist, Ezekiel and Messiah's Temple, and Revelation and Babylon. To order your copy of Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Hi everybody, welcome back to Prophecy Today. As promised, David Dolan's going to join us here at the broadcast table in a moment with a Middle East news update. We'll continue our theme for the program today, 2018, a year in review, and maybe take a little glimpse into 2019. A key location in our world, a region of this world that's understandably important when you look at the Bible, because Bible prophecy is going to be all centered in that region. We're talking about the Middle East, of course, and we're talking about, in particular, the state of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. The man who covers that region for us, David Dolan, longtime journalist, over 30 years, a number of years, with CBS Radio. Now, David, I want to just give you some rapid-fire questions, if you will. In this last year, Jerusalem becoming the capital. Really, it was 17, but just a couple of days before, Jerusalem becoming the capital, the political capital of the Jewish state of Israel. Well, of course, it's always been the political capital in reality. It just hasn't been recognized as such by pretty much anybody else on Earth. And when you have the largest power on Earth, the United States, Israel's closest ally, announcing a move of its embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, it's going to open a floodgate. That's what it's done, Jimmy, and we're going to have more embassies move in 2019 to Jerusalem, it looks like Australia included. So the Israelis are very happy with that. Absolutely, and that then brings up the U.S. Embassy move, which was a promise that was fulfilled. Donald Trump in his campaign said he had moved the U.S. Embassy 
into Jerusalem. That happened in May of this last year. A lot of presidents said that never made it happen, but Donald Trump followed through. He did, Jimmy. And again, that was just a historic move that definitely has influenced many other countries. We have a number of European countries also considering moving their embassies to Jerusalem. It is Israel's capital. It has been since 1948, really since King David. But, of course, they were not there for many of those centuries. They're back. Their government buildings are there. Their offices are there. And finally, the world is starting to recognize that fact. And the Bible says in Ezekiel 5, 5, Jerusalem is the center of the earth. It probably, and I'm sure one day it will be the capital of the entire world. Hamas at the Gaza Strip in the border there between Israel and the Gaza Strip. It's been very active almost all year long. We've talked about it on almost every report you give us. What do you see happening now and in the future? Well, yes, Jimmy, yesterday again there was rioting along the border. No deaths, but some more Palestinian casualties. This has been going on since March. Hamas leadership this week said it will continue until the Zionist enemy is destroyed. So Hamas once again reaffirming that it wants to see Israel completely wiped out as a state and replaced by a Palestinian Islamic fundamentalist state. It's not going to happen. Jerusalem will be the capital of the world, as you said. The Lord is coming back and will rule from there. But apparently at least this part of the Palestinians are going to continue to fight for Israel's destruction. And, Jimmy, opinion polls uh, taken just recently show that Hamas would win any general Palestinian election if it were held in the next year, and they're supposed to, and it would oust the Palestinian Authority. So look for that possibility to take place, a very dramatic move it would be. David, I know the fact that you were the first journalist any place in the world that recognized Hamas. In fact, you even wrote a book and included them in it. They're 31 years old now. They're not going to let up at all. They're going to be more intense, are they not? Well, so it seems. And again, they've reestablished their alliance with Iran. Uh, They were backed by Iran strongly. Then there were some problems that came up. But once again, they are back on board with Iran. They're getting all sorts of funds, weapons, uh, smuggling tunnels being built, all of this. They are a major force, Jimmy. And I did state in 1990 that I felt they would grow to become a major force, and they have. I wasn't so brilliant. I was just looking at uh, what their beliefs are, and they're based on Islamic fundamentalist beliefs, which are strong in the Middle East and will always be strong. That's why ISIS, as we said last week, will still be around, and uh, al-Qaeda around all these groups, espousing their wishes to see Israel totally destroyed based on their view of God. But their view of God and from the Quran is not in compliance with what the Bible says, and the Bible says the Jews will return, build up their state, and that continues to happen. And there's going to still be a threat at the border there in the north. We're talking about the south with the Gaza Strip, but in the north that threat is here now, has been all year, and looks like 2019 is not going to let up on that threat. Well, no, Jimmy, and, you know, the Iranians already control Lebanon, basically. They've taken over Lebanon over the past 20 years. I was there in 82 when they began the Hezbollah militia. It now is a major force, as we know, and now they're in the process of taking over portions of Syria, causing a lot of conflict and problems. That's not going to disappear, apparently, and the Russians taking a harder stand against Israel all the time, so it looks like more trouble ahead up in the north as well. 
Prime Minister Netanyahu announcing he's going to early elections this last week. Looks like the Knesset will be dissolved, and they'll have to move ahead with that. Early elections in April, I believe it is. And so we're now talking 2018-2019. Do you think uh, that Netanyahu will continue on, or can somebody beat him? Well, Jimmy, the elections were to be held by next November at the latest. Israel's system is a parliamentary system. Uh, snap elections can be held at any time if a majority of the parliament votes no confidence in the government. Well, of course, after Avigdor Lieberman left because the prime minister would not order a full military operation in Gaza because of the situation in the north. And, Jimmy, for the first time since the Yom Kippur War, we had a Russian-made Syrian rocket deliberately aimed at Israel this week. That hasn't happened in a long, long time. Landed near the town of Hadera between Haifa and Tel Aviv. Deliberately fired, the Russians said, because of Israel's actions in Syria. So a very, very dramatic situation indeed. And Jimmy, just one that the Prime Minister has to deal with. And he said, we need to get the elections out of the way so we can focus on these critical security issues. But opinion polls last week, another one came out, show that Netanyahu will remain as prime minister. His Likud party will get at least a fourth of the Knesset, and his right-wing allies will capture another at least fourth, and they will once again elect him as prime minister. That is what it looks like. But uh, Benny Gantz, the former chief of staff, has formed a political party more to the center. He's just announced that this week. He's very, very popular, expected to get at least 14 seats, and he might be a candidate for prime minister, people are saying. But it's expected that Netanyahu will win the, uh, will become the majority party, at least the largest party, in the April 9th election scheduled, and will continue to rule Israel, the longest-serving prime minister now, Jimmy, in Israel's history. That's probably key, David, because of the fact the outgoing IDF chief, the head of the Israeli Defense Force, making a statement, Iran wants to deploy about 100,000 fighters in Syria. Prime Minister Netanyahu saying, we can take care of them. We'll be ready at any time. That sounds like a truth if there is one. Well, it was a very important operation on Christmas evening that took place this uh, past week, Jimmy, with Israeli aircraft operating in South Lebanon, firing missiles at three major Syrian targets, but mainly targets where Hezbollah and uh, Iran are operating. Reports say that a uh, 747 cargo jet had just landed from uh, Iran, carrying all sorts of new weapons for Hezbollah, etc., and the Israelis hit that. Uh, reports say a couple leading Hezbollah leaders were killed in the action. But, Jimmy, the Syrians this time fired extensively against the Israeli planes and the Israeli missiles that were coming in. They claimed they took out most of the missiles. But as I said, in response, they fired an SA-5, a Russian-coded S-200 rocket. Now, that's an older version of the S-300 that they're now supplying Russia is to the Syrians, but a still powerful weapon. And that, as I said, flew over 100 miles and hit into central Israel the first time that Syria has deliberately fired. We've had some stray rockets uh, come across the border in the Golan and that with the fighting going on in the area. At first, the Israelis said this was a stray rocket, but later it was confirmed that no, it had been deliberately fired at Israel. And the Russians said that this was because of the Israeli, quote, aggression, and that they wouldn't allow this to continue. So again, Jimmy, the buildup to a conflict between Russia 
and Israel seems to be continuing. That is very ominous for the new year indeed, as Iran continues to build up its supplies and its forces in Lebanon. Israel continues to destroy the Hezbollah tunnels, a fifth one discovered this week. They poured concrete into one of them, Jimmy, near the town of Metula, and Sure enough, it came out the other end in a couple homes in the Lebanese side where these tunnels originated and went all over the yard. So the uh, Hezbollah have been saying, oh, no, these don't uh, originate in Lebanon. Well, they clearly did, and Israel is in the process of destroying them. The north continues to be a very tense situation indeed, Jimmy, and will be, I'm sorry to say, pretty much all of next year probably. That's an absolute, and we've read the last chapter, David and I. We know what God's Word calls for. Israel comes out on top. A lot of bumps along the way. David, you did an excellent job. 2018, a year in review, then looking into 2019 as well. I'll talk to you again next year, buddy. Have a happy new year. Thank you, Jimmy. Lord willing, we will talk, and God bless, and a good new year to you. We're going to take a break. Winky Madad standing by. I want to see what Winky thinks about the early elections and this last year from a Orthodox Jewish perspective. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Have you ever wanted to visit Israel and trace the footsteps of Jesus? Hi, I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr., and along with VCY America, I'm excited to announce our upcoming trip March 13th through the 22nd, 2019. Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We're going to look at Israel past, present, and future. The Bible will come alive as you see places such as the shepherd's fields, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time not only to visit the site, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today, 423-821-3635, to find out more about our VCY America Prophecy Today Israel trip, March 13th through the 22nd. Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung, welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. On New Year's Day, January the 1st, Judy and I will board a plane in Atlanta and fly over to Texas, going down to the Texas border with Mexico, a big conference, a Bible conference going on. Tell you more about that next week. It'll be a closer opportunity for us to be there. By the way, we're going to cheat a little bit. We're flying in a day or two early. We're going to be in San Antonio with our oldest son, Jim Jr., his wife, and the two daughters. So we're looking forward to that. You know, during the holiday season, family does want to get together. Pray for us as we travel down to Texas and that we may have a good week. We'll be there, and we're going to be ministering the prophetic Word of God. So glad you could join us. This is a special edition of Prophecy Today Weekend. 2018, a year in review. Well, let's go catch up with Winky Madad. He's in a place called Shiloh, center part of the state of Israel, a Jewish community often referred to as a Jewish settlement area or occupied territories. The Palestinian people use that terminology, and some politicians as well. Winky, thank you for being available. We want to think about a year in review, and let me just give a couple of 
two-word statements, and you react to what I said. For example, 2018, actually it was 2017, but went into effect Jerusalem as the capital of the Jewish state, the political capital of Israel. Well, Jimmy, this is a tremendous step forward. It's recognizing the reality, and we're very grateful that the United States president realized that the policies of the previous administrations and even the State Department was wrong. As we discussed many times, the city was uh, divided only for 19 years in its entire history. So to talk about two different sides of Jerusalem, it's one city, Israel's capital, its free access is uh, unlimited. Uh, You've been there several times, you know that. It's no Berlin Wall area. And so I think Israel deserves it. It protects all religions and all faiths and all beliefs. And uh, I'm glad that we now have the American embassy located in the city of Jerusalem. And that's what I was going to talk about next, the U.S. embassy moved to Jerusalem. Well, as I said, uh, Jimmy, this is a recognition that's been a long time coming. It was summing diplomatic noses in the face of what was the reality on the ground. Uh, historically speaking, you mentioned Jerusalem, you're talking about the Jewish people. You're talking about Jewish prayers, Jewish songs, Jewish customs, Jewish ritual. You cannot separate the Jewish people from Jerusalem. And finally, uh, we now have a firm diplomatic statement on behalf of the United States that whatever is the end process in terms of if there ever will be negotiations, it doesn't make a difference on the ground right now, Jerusalem is the capital of the state of Israel, and the United States will recognize it as such and move its embassy to it. And it seems to me like the United States started that domino effect. Other nations either moving into Jerusalem, their embassy, are considering doing that as well now. Yes, several countries have followed suit. Several countries are deliberating it. I think there's one country, if I'm not mistaken, Brazil, backtracked a little bit, but we're on the move. And uh, one other thing, Jimmy, something that didn't come into realization, if we can put our heads together and remember, it was the Arabs who were threatening an explosive Middle East with riots and shedding of Mm -hmm. blood, none of which happened. It was an empty threat. And actually, I think if the United States and other countries around the world realize that there are a lot of empty threats that dictate their diplomatic and political policies, I think things would be better for everybody all around. And as you refer to those threats, that brings another item that I want to discuss as we look at 2018, a year in review, the conflict with Hamas there at the Gaza-Israeli border. Well, Jimmy, once again, and I hope our listeners pay attention to what we're talking about, Hamas, for them, it doesn't matter what Israel does whether it disengages as it did just over 10 years ago, whether it takes down all its communities and all its industry and all the agriculture uh, of a super technological advanced methods that would there, they want more, they do not recognize it, they're after Israel, and therefore they'll dig tunnels, they'll shoot rockets, and specifically target civilian areas such as schools and residential areas, and that, I think, shows, or it should show to uh, to everybody watching, the true face of what Arab 
rejectionism and opposition to the existence of the State of Israel in any form, and that's the most important thing to remember about Hamas. Winky, this last year, the threat from Iran and Syria, and that seems to be intensifying. Iran is intent upon destroying Israel. At the present moment, it's reaching out on one front, which is uh, through uh, trying to get through Iraq to Syria and then end up on the Golan Heights so that I have a direct front. And Israel has been fighting that, literally fighting that in terms of airstrikes and other military maneuvers of a low-intensity scale. Uh, We do know that Iran is trying to upset the entire stability of the Middle East, which, amazingly so, has thrown some Sunni Muslim states, including Saudi Arabia, some of the Emirates and the Gulf, to link up with Israel on one level or another level. Mr. Netanyahu made uh, visits both to the Gulf states and, and to other Islamic states in Africa, if I'm not mistaken, Chad was one of them. And so we're doing the best we can both militarily and on the diplomatic front in order to shore up an alliance, oddly enough, between a Jewish-Israel state and the Arab-Muslim states against a Shiite uh, regime there in Iran. And if, if I wasn't so closely involved, I would love to sit back and watch it roll out before our eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we conclude 2018, move into 2019, Prime Minister Netanyahu now calling for early elections, the process, and it will end up in April, I do believe the vote will be. Is that correct? It will be on April 9th, about four months, five months earlier than it was supposed to be. Jimmy, I think we've discussed it several times on our program here. Israeli politics, especially in the last year before elections, can get very difficult mm-hmm. with people breaking off and things happening. And I think Mr. Netanyahu realized that uh, it would be better for him to call early elections. He's discovered the Hezbollah tunnels up on the Lebanese border. Uh, he was successful over the summer, late summer, with Hamas. The economy is booming, Jimmy. Technological advances all around the world are being appreciated. And as I mentioned just before, diplomatic outreach to countries that never had relations with us. So I think he's making a good gamble on riding a very positive uh, reflection of his ability and leadership capabilities in the in the public eye, and uh, we'll see what happens. Well, you sound positive, as if Netanyahu and the Likud party are going to win. That's your thought? Well, the polls that I've seen over the last several days are indicating that no party uh, comes up within close to the reach that the, the Likud, which is Netanyahu's party, has. But as also we discussed here, and I think that's one of the reasons why I keep coming back, Jimmy, to remind us all, Israel is a parliamentary system, which means coalition governments, because rarely, not only rarely, I don't think any party in the last uh, 71 years has ever gained a 50% majority of the Knesset seats. And therefore, you have to look around for partners. So it's just a matter of who will be in the next coalition. It will be led, I think, by Mr. Netanyahu. And if not, what's ahead? What's ahead, of course, the two things that can happen. Two things are some sort of progress on the indictments in which he's facing in terms of suspected unethical uh, actions as prime minister. If that decision by the state prosecutor comes in early, it can upset uh, a situation. Or if Iran or Hamas 
try to intervene in elections and uh, cause trouble with some sort of military activity. Those are the two things I think that are the wild cards in this situation. So I will be open to be corrected if history changes. Well, let me uh, talk about that intervening time between now and April the 9th when the next elections, early elections, will take place. Does that make the government and the state of Israel more vulnerable during this time from their enemies? Not in the sense of good government. The government remains in power. He remains the prime minister. There's nothing that interferes with uh, the ability of the government to act. We've been here before. We were going to go to elections, Jimmy, in uh, 1973. But because of the Yom Kippur War, it was put off for three and a half months. So even with a war breaking out, it didn't disturb the political system for more than three, three and a half months. I don't know what it'll be now. You and I know that while we believe in, in what's written in the Bible and the prophetic word, uh, every once in a while there's a little bit of jump on the scale so that we always have to take into consideration man-made events in addition to that. But I can't see anything much changing dramatically, uh, I'll go as far as to say. I would agree with that. The last word in all that's going to happen to Israel found in God's prophetic word written by the ancient Jewish prophets. And a man who sounds like a prophet, but he's one of our great broadcast partners. Rapid fire statements from me, rapid fire responses from Winky Madag. Great conversation, Winky. Thank you so much. And I guess I won't see you or talk to you till next year, but we'll look forward to doing that. Jimmy, thank you very much. If I can, extend my greetings on the festive season for everybody listening. As you said, I think in the opening, we should all enjoy family and the values that families bring with us. And thank you very much for having me on over the past year. What a very important conversation with Winky Madad covering a potpourri of items happening in Israel and looking at 2018, a year in review. Right now, we're going to go to Itamar Marcus, and we'll do a similar look at a 2018 year in review as it relates to the Palestinian people. And Itamar, by the way, palwatch.org, that is the web address for Itamar Marcus and his operation there in Jerusalem, his team monitoring the Palestinian media, both electronic and print media. Itamar Hamas, 31 years of age, and seems like they're still going strong. I thought I would deal with that first. I mean, you can look at all of 2018, and Hamas has been a major player. Correct. Hamas has the support of, according to the last poll, basically the majority of the Palestinian population. In the last elections in 2006, they won a majority of the seats, both in the Gaza Strip and in Judean Samaria. Depending on what's been happening since then, they go up and down and switch in popularity with the Palestinian Authority. There is a myth that the Palestinian Authority and Fatah are mainstream and that Hamas represents a fringe, an extreme fringe. It's not true. Right now, in the latest poll, if there were an election today between the head of Hamas, Ismail Haniyeh, and Mahmoud Abbas, the head of the Palestinian Authority, Fatah, Ismail Haniyeh would win and they would have a dead heat in the parliament. So the Palestinian population has no problem supporting an open terror organization that is announced 
that in the name of Allah, in the name of Islam, it feels that it wants to destroy all of Israel and bring about a genocide of all Jews. This is their open, stated policy, and 50% or more of the population support it. Do they believe that, indeed, I'm talking about the Hamas leaders, their organizational leadership, do they believe they really have a viable chance by using violence against the Jewish state of Israel to wipe them out of any contention of controlling that piece of real estate? They not only think they have a chance, they have convinced themselves that this is what Islam is saying is their destiny. Islam says that, according to the Hamas interpretation of Islam, not all Muslims interpret it this way, but according to the Hamas interpretation of Islam, Israel is destined to be destroyed because it is on Islamic land. All of Israel, Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, Haifa, everything is said to be Islamic, holy wasp, Islamic holy land, and therefore they have the obligation to destroy it, and it will be destroyed. In addition, they believe that the hour of resurrection, it's in their charter. The hour of resurrection won't come until Muslims fight the Jews and kill them, hmm. meaning exterminate them. So they believe that Israel is destined to be destroyed, Jews are destined to be exterminated. It will be done by them, it will be done by the Muslims around the world. It's part of Allah's plan, and they think it's all going to happen because it's predestined. I saw your report on your website, palwatch.org. I believe what you're telling me, but I need you to explain it to me. I can't quite grasp how they can year after year after year say this. And what I'm talking about, again, uh, the uh, Palestinians at Christmas time are saying that Jesus was Palestinian and uh, they celebrate Christmas as their holiday. Talk to me about how does that all come together within the mindset of the Palestinian people? There is no Palestinian people in history. There has never been a Palestinian state, never been a Palestinian king, a Palestinian president. There's never been uh, a Palestinian anything in history. And yet the Palestinian, uh, the people who today call themselves Palestinians, feel it very important to give themselves a history. They want their children to believe that they have some roots in the land of Israel, uh, which they call Palestine, uh, so what do they do? They Everything that happened to the Jewish people in history, they turn into their own history. Uh, we've seen film clips on TV where they show the Romans. They have an actress who's playing the Palestinian people, and the Romans come and capture her, and then and then the uh, uh, the Byzantines capture her, and then it goes. It goes literally, and then the British come. Every all through history, you see this Palestinian. They have basically taken Jewish history and turned it into Palestinian history, and Jesus being born as a Jew in the land of Judea, they have stolen him as well. It's part of their need to give their people a belief that they have roots in this land, and they steal everything, including Jesus, and turn him into a Palestinian. Well, then how does that actually fit into their overall plan to destroy the Jewish people? If uh, indeed they have a wrong history, is that really just a propaganda operation among their own people to bring all of this about? The propaganda is important because they want their people to be willing to fight, kill Israelis, and to die killing Israelis. And by telling them that they are the authentic people who own this land for thousands of years and that they've been here for thousands of years, 
uh, it makes their people angry, and it makes their people angry at Israelis and angry mm-hmm. at Jews, and it motivates them. So it's it's not just how should I say a historical thing for historic for history books. It's a historical message that's supposed to create anger and a desire for revenge. And many of the Palestinians who are going out fighting and killing Israelis, uh, probably as terrorists, probably believe all of this garbage that they're taught by their Palestinian leaders. You have a website that really serves all of the world. In reality, I know that you're often a speaker at uh, parliamentary operations in different countries of the world, governmental operations here in the United States, for example. That's called palwatch.org. And I often go to it. By the way, uh, I'm certain that if the people listening to us go there, they'll be able to find a way to receive your alerts from that particular website. Palwatch.org is the location. But I read, and let's talk about this lastly in our conversation, I read that a mother of terrorists, six of them, had killed 10 Israelis, and they were being honored for it. And then she made this statement, well, our hands are extended in peace to the Jewish people. The Jewish people extend their hands in murder. And then she said, the Jews are blood suckers. Now, this is a philosophy that permeates many of the Palestinian people. It's all of the propaganda ploys that are being put forth through the Palestinian media. Is that not correct? Correct. This is a, this is a woman who brought up her children to be terrorists. Four of her children are convicted murderers who killed 10 people. Another son is now being tried for murder that he's admitted to. That's the fifth son. And a sixth son was also a murderer, and he was killed while he was being arrested by Israeli soldiers because he resisted arrest. So she has six sons, terrorists. Uh, She is a Palestinian hero. When the Palestinian Authority asked the United Nations for statehood a few years ago, the PA actually gave her the honor of of giving the letter in their name to the Mm. the United Nations offices uh, in the area here. So they see her because she raised six murderers. They see her as a hero. And that tells you a lot about the heart and soul of the Palestinian Authority. Kill an Israeli, kill a Jew, you become a Palestinian hero. Folks, I wanted you to hear this report from Itamar Marcus to keep you posted as to the reasons behind the Israeli-Palestinian conflict continuing, going on now for about something like 4,000 years, I believe, from the times of Jacob and Esau all the way to today, going to continue into the future until the Messiah comes Jimmy, back. if I can add just one more thing. You mentioned our website, palwatch.org. I know I speak to you and your listeners often. I never really say this, but if any of your, uh, if your listeners are interested in helping Palestinian Media Watch continue our work on our website, you can see how to contribute with your credit card, uh, palwatch.org. And, of course, it's so important for us to be able to continue supplying this information to the United States government and to the world. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Very, very important. Powwatch.org. Go to that website. You'll find out all the information you need to do exactly that. Itamar, thank you. We'll have another conversation real soon, buddy. Thank you. Very important report coming out of Itamar Marcus there in Jerusalem, powwatch.org. Again, that is the web address for this team of Israelis who actually come from other countries, so thus their mother tongue is not necessarily Hebrew, but 
It's the language of their homeland, and now they can use that advantage to be able to monitor the Palestinian media, key for us to know what's happening as they continue to do that. Now let's go to a very important region of the world. I'm talking about the European Union, all of Europe. They are preparing, according to the Bible, maybe they don't know this, but according to the Bible, to become ultimately the revival of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. And that's why we talk political activities with John Rood, our broadcast partner for the EU. When we talk political, we're looking at the prophetic forming on the horizon, and we can see all the signs for these prophecies being fulfilled. John, let me tell you from the very outset, Happy New Year. Hope you had a great Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you. You're certainly welcome. Hey, talk to me about this crazy leader of Hungary. I think it's Orban, and he said that Europe and Islam don't mix. That's a pretty profound statement. Yes. At first, to preface what you said about the revived Roman Empire is really the scenario that we have that's why we monitor the political union of the European Union so closely. So we see all of these divisions, and one of the greatest ones is what this populist movement is. So the Hungarian prime minister has been a defender for Christianity in Hungary and feels that this is a strategy that will win the election. So he's seen as a Christian Europe being Christian values. But, of course, living there for decades, you know, the parliament parties are Christian Democrats. My uh, health care was Christian health care. And there's not much Christianity in, in Europe at this <laughs> yeah, time. Right. So he's using this as a way to uh, gain popularity. But they see a, a threat from Islam. And uh, one thing he has right is that the European Union should not be a political commission, and yet they have taken this upon them to turn political. Well, we see that unfolding because of the fact of the steps that need to be made in order for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled, I would do believe. Uh, there continues to be conversation, and some leaders there in the European Union are now speaking out about it. You and I have talked about it before, that Europe needs an army because of the threat from Russia. And that threat of Russia is not going away. That army needs to be formed. Uh, the leaders are saying that, are they not? Yes, there's the Munich Security Conference uh, being held now. And it's the largest gathering of its kind. It's government, military uh, officials, media, NGOs. It's a big idea exchange. So the chairman of the conference has come out saying expressly that a European army is necessary. And, you know, we should realize that today in Ukraine is a real war in Europe. And so this has been played down, but it's very serious. You've had 10,000 people have died since 2014. So the evidence of such a statement, you could see that there would be a movement underneath to make this uh, come to pass. You know, what we're talking about are issues that really have been going on all year long. We're just touching base with a current comment that may be coming from some European Union leader or the 
commission or whatever. So we're talking about 2018, a year in review, as it relates to the European Union. One final thought from you, if you will, John, Brexit. I know you don't know where to go when you talk about Brexit. What are your thoughts? Well, Brexit, I honestly believe now that it's sort of a no-man's territory, and it's open to anything, which is sort of what the EU is standard and known for. So I believe at this time we'll probably have a delay, and we have the March deadline now in 2019, but uh, nothing has been done. It was probably all done on purpose so that the U.K. could not be a good example of how to leave the European Union. So it's been, it's been a very difficult process, but uh, both sides are not negotiating, and so will we have a no-deal deal? It's, it's, it's highly probable but it will be in the EU's favor if they have extension. So an extension to further votes, an extension to approving uh, a type of deal, or even a second referendum, which seemed absolutely unthinkable. Anything is possible with the EU because they'll change the rules. Yeah, absolutely. And dear friend, we'll stay on top of all these stories as we move into 2019. Our broadcast partner here at the broadcast table, John Rood, as he continues to stay on top of what's happening there in that unique region of our world, and especially prophetically. John, do have a happy new year, blessed new year, and we'll talk again next year. And happy new year to you all as well. Great report from John Rood. You know, the European Union, a key region of this world, as we watch these areas that are making preparations for the prophetic scenario found in God's Word to be fulfilled. John, on the European Union and their precursor activity to become the revived Roman Empire. Well, we're going to have to take a break right now. Upcoming is going to be another interview with David James. We'll have a conversation. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome back to my last half hour of this last broadcast in 2018 from here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. By the way, I'd like you to go to my website, prophecytoday.com. On the left-hand column, if you'll scroll down, we have my prophecy poll question. I want you to answer it if you will. Here it is, our review of 2018 events this last year. And then the prospects for 2019 seem to be setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Could the rapture happen, in your opinion, in 2019? Now, that's the poll question. Actually, it could still happen in 2018, if you want to be absolutely honest. But should it not, what about the prospect for 2019? I actually thought the Lord had a great opportunity in 18. Didn't happen. I'm looking forward to it taking place as soon as it does. Be sure to answer the poll question. We love to hear what your response to our questions, which are basically focused on the entire content of our program each and every week. 
Let me remind you of something. We never ask for funds on this broadcast. We're so grateful to the radio stations that put us on the air. We thank them and be sure to make certain that you contribute to their need financially to continue to operate. And if they advertise for advertisers, be sure to go use those advertisers and help that station that we're on and you're listening to right now to stay on the air. But on this last program in 2018, I've got to announce a challenge gift for Prophecy Today. You can multiply the impact of your end-of-the-year giving. A supporter of Prophecy Today has recently offered to match any gift given from now until the end of the year up to $25,000. Now, this generous offer is an exciting way for you to double the impact of your giving. If you will, and you would like to send an end-of-the-year gift to us, you can do that. Post Office Box 2510, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37409. Or actually, you can go to the website, prophecytoday.com forward slash partners, P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S, prophecytoday.com forward slash partners, and you could give an end-of-the-year gift and it would be doubled because of this special gift given by one of our broadcast listeners. Thank you so very much, and do support the station that carries our broadcast each and every week. And one final thought, if you'd like to get all of my DVDs at half price, you can go to my website, prophecytoday.com, go to the Prophecy Bookstore, each and every DVD, all of them, half price. Go there and take advantage of this sale, which continues until December the 31st at midnight. We now bring to this microphone David James. He's here at the broadcast table with me for our weekly conversation this time, 2018, the year in review. And David, first of all, hope you had a great Christmas and Happy New Year. Well, thank you very much. You did have a great Christmas. And we'll talk again about the new year in a moment, but we want to look back over 2018. This will be the last program that we do together this year. We want to review some of the most important topics that we covered throughout the year. Because of the partnership between Prophecy Today and your ministry, David, we have frequently discussed the ever-changing situation in the area of eschatology. Remind our listeners what eschatology means and some of the issues and trends that we've covered here in 2018. Sure. Well, eschatology is uh, simply the technical theological term for the study of last things, but it also goes broader than that, not just discussing things related to yet unfulfilled prophecies, things that are yet future for us, but actually looking at all of prophecy throughout the Word of God. So that's what the definition would be. We talked about several things, and uh, we've been watching several things over this past year. One is the continuing resurgence of Reformed theology, which definitely touches on this area of eschatology. Reformed theology teaches that there's only been one people of God since Adam, no distinction between Israel and the Church, meaning no literal fulfillment of God's promises to Israel, and for many of them, no literal millennial reign 
coming of Christ, and this is all because of an, an inconsistent application of a proper method of uh, interpretation. And this also has practical implications with many Christians, churches, denominations, and, and schools actually turning their backs on Israel, which has an impact on our even our international foreign policy. Uh, then there's also been a resurgence of sensationalism and prophetic teaching. This really got kicked off back in 2012 with the Harbinger and then a couple of years later with the Blood Moons issue going on with some talking about Pope Francis being the last pope before the tribulation begins. Another thing that we've discussed what, that uh, I've called UFO Nephilim eschatology, where there's saying that angels are once again going to cohabit with women, and even the Antichrist may be one of the Nephilim that we read about in Genesis 6. So that's been an issue, and then with, along with this uh, is larger prophecy conferences with a mixture of solid Bible teachers sharing the stage with sensationalists, and in some cases false and even heretical teachers. These are some of the major issues. Yes, indeed, and other issues that we've discussed several times because of the extent of its influence around the world is the charismatic movement. I know that you have personal experience in this area that goes back to over 30 years ago and have also been teaching on the subject for at least some 20 years. That's true. Uh, I was saved through the ministry of a holiness Pentecostal preacher back in 1984. I've had family members who have been deep into the most extreme elements of the charismatic movement, and they have since come out of that, actually due to the fact that over long periods of time, sometimes decades, they were not healed of serious illnesses. I was also exposed to it when I was at Dallas Seminary. Uh, the last semester that Jack Deere taught, he was in the uh, vineyard movement just as it, as it was becoming extreme, and was, he was actually fired from Dallas Seminary because he refused to resign. So that's my background. Uh, reading a book, uh, The Next Christendom, the writer said that in Christian terms, the late 20th century will probably be known as the era of the Pentecostal explosion from less than 6% in the mid-1970s to, at the end of the 20th century, over 20% of world Christianity. And so I run into it wherever I go, especially in Africa and the Philippines. When I teach in Uganda, almost all of my students uh, have either been to or continue to be uh, members of Pentecostal churches. You know, David, there's one thing we cannot deny. And that is that President Trump has been in the news almost every day for the last two years, his two years in office. And whether you agree or disagree with some of the things he says or does, it doesn't matter. There have at least been a couple of things that he accomplished this year that were of special importance, especially to us who are believers. I would agree with that completely, and I think independent of what one thinks of some of the things that he says and does, there has been a strong influence of born-again believers on the Trump administration, those in some of his advisory teams, and most of those are socially conservative and pro-Israel, even though we might not agree with all of their theology. The first of the two major things, I think, that we can say that have impact for believers is the appointment and uh, confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, replacing Anthony Kennedy, making him the second justice uh, secured by the Trump administration. And uh, this could affect Supreme Court decisions for decades going forward, moving the country uh, back toward uh, more constitutional 
conservatism, which has tremendous impacts throughout our entire society. And then there was the recognition of Jerusalem as a legitimate capital of Israel, and then the movement of the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem in May. And in fact, I just got back from uh, taking a, a tour to Israel, and we actually drove right up to the new U.S. Embassy, the temporary embassy, when we were there in November, and that was an exciting thing to to see and be a part of. Yeah, well, it's great to have you on the team as a teacher and a tour director for us there in Israel. Going to the land of the Bible is very key, and if you're listening, would like to participate with one of our VIP tours with Jim Jr., and Rick, my two sons, and then David, you need to get a hold of Jody at prophecytoday.com. Go to Joshua Travel. Go to the website. You'll find Joshua Travel. You can get a hold of Jody, and she might can tell you some information that would include you in one of these wonderful trips. David, uh, Pope Francis and the Catholic Church in general were also in the news throughout the year, and really never for a good reason. That's true. I would say that it would not be exaggeration to say that Pope Francis is the most controversial pope in modern history. He said a number of things that have really shaken the Church to its core, and traditional Catholics uh, as well. For one thing, he has said even atheists can go to heaven, and that's an extension of what came out of Vatican II in the 1960s. He has said, who am I to judge homosexuality? He has given an audience to a, a transgender person who was born a woman and affirmed the place of transgenders in the Church. He's working to change the historic stance of the Church toward abortion as well as divorce and remarriage. Recently, he has essentially denied the existence of hell. And at the same time, he's been faced with the twin crises of homosexuality and pedophilia in the priesthood of the Church. He's been deeply criticized over his handling of the issue by both the LGBT community as well as victims. In fact, in August, the New York Times reported that the Pennsylvania grand jury says the Church had a playbook for concealing the truth. It's like a playbook they said, and they said that this investigation identified more than a thousand sexual abuse victims in six Catholic dioceses in Pennsylvania. So that's just a fraction of one state in the United States and all the countries around the world. So this is a huge problem. Very, very bad situation. Well, finally, David, an important topic that we did not actually cover, but we should bring to the attention of everybody, is the increase in the persecution of Christians around the world in 2018. I think that's right. I think it's not even though we haven't discussed it, it's not that I haven't been keeping my eye on it as uh, watching current theological issues around the world. In October, Morningstar News reported Sudan released 13 Christians arrested in Darfur after torture and threats. Since Sudan broke into two countries, Sudan and South Sudan, Sudan has become much more extreme the way it holds to its uh, Islamic traditions and teaching. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, CBN News came out with an article saying Christians are standing in the way of China's totalitarian rule, and so Christians in China have come under severe persecution and increasing persecution as 
the premier of that country, the president of that country, has uh, consolidated his rule. And then back in January, Christianity Today ran an article on the top 50 countries where it's most dangerous to follow Jesus, uh, the number one spot being uh, North Korea with more than 50,000 in prison. The second was Af- Afghanistan. And you can imagine with the, looking at the map on that article that it was concentrated, the worst persecution in the Middle East and North Africa. But it's also interesting that Mexico and uh, Venezuela are also shown on that map as being hot spots of persecution. And so we need to pray for our brothers and sisters uh, around the world, and it's something that I have to always keep my eye on because I do so much international travel. I would agree with that, David, so be careful as you're out there traveling across the world. But I think uh, we need to plan one of our New Year's resolutions should be watch more coastly persecution of Christians around the world. We'll make that an issue to discuss and stay on top of it with our listeners. David, thank you so very much for this report, a, a great report looking at 2018, a year in review. And may we stay on top of everything as we go to 2019. By the way, that reminds me. Happy New Year as you travel there to the Philippines. Thanks much, Jimmy. Look forward to uh, getting together with you again next week. That'll be next year, by the way, buddy. That's right. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much. We're going to take a break right now. I want to get the Bible out. We're going to look at the issues that we've discussed with our broadcast partners and see how they fit into the prophetic scenario found in God's Word. We'll take a look at the book right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy DeYoung's Revelation, A Chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. 
It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. This special edition of Prophecy Today, 2018, a year in review, reminded us of some of the activities back over this last year. Our broadcast partners came to the broadcast table, and they gave us a year in review and helped us to reflect on some of the issues that really are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. I'll give you a prophetic perspective on those thoughts in a moment, so keep the dial set right where it is. By the way, if you missed any of these reports, you need to go to prophecytoday.com, then go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. There you'll be able to re-listen or listen for the first time to all of my broadcast partners. They'll give their excellent reports, which will help you then understand how current events are actually setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Again, go to prophecytoday.com, P-T-R-N, and be sure to tell a friend they need to hear these reports as well as we move out of 2018 into 2019. Now let me go over those reports with my prophetic perspective. Ken Timmerman, who covers the world for us, geopolitical events unfolding, sat with me at this broadcast table, and we rehearsed several things. I'm not going to go through everything with each broadcast partner, but just give you a little bit of a teaser so you'll go back and listen to the entire program again and reflect upon what we have to say. Ken talked about the journalist being killed there in Istanbul, Turkey, in the embassy of Saudi Arabia. I've got to remind you that Turkey is a major player in the end-time scenario. When the alignment of nations come together, they form a coalition and go against the Jewish state of Israel. Turkey would be mentioned in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, in verses 2 and 6. In verse 2, Meshach and Tubal, verse 6, Gomer and Tagarma. That's modern-day Turkey. Remember in the times of Asia Minor, back in the times of Peter, Paul, and the other apostles evangelizing the world right after the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension into heaven of Jesus Christ, they went into Asia Minor. That was the first location they went to, and there many churches were established. Asia Minor was divided into four parts then, Meshach, Tubal, Gomer, and Tagarma. In addition to that, Saudi Arabia is mentioned when it's talked about in Psalm 83 and verse 6 when it refers to the Ishmaelites. Ishmael went to Arabia. The book of Genesis reveals to us that Ishmael, chapter 25 and verse 18, went to a place there described geographically as Arabia, which became Saudi Arabia. That'll be a part of that alignment of nations that will go against the Jewish state of Israel as well. So what we see going on both in Turkey and in Saudi Arabia is key. That's why we keep you posted. That's why we have our reports from our broadcast partners on these two very important locations. And then Ken and I talked about the civil war going into its eighth year there in Syria. Over those eight years, Syria has been joined by Russia, Iran, and Turkey. Well, we've talked about Turkey, Russia, and Iran. 
Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 2 mentions Magog. Magog is modern-day Russia when you study where the son of Noah went in the book of Genesis chapter 10 and verses 2 through 5. You'll see that Magog went and established a nation. That's modern-day Russia. Uh, Turkey we've already talked about. That's Ezekiel chapter 38. It's that formation. When you see these nations, Russia, Iran, Turkey, Syria, there at the Israeli northern border ready to come in and try to wipe out the Jewish people, we're seeing prophecy that's ready to be fulfilled, both in 2018, but in particular 2019. David Dolan talked about the impact that Donald Trump, President of the United States, has had on Jerusalem. He named it December the 6th, 2017, as the political capital of the Jewish state of Israel. And then in May of 2018, he moved the U.S. Embassy into Jerusalem, fulfilling campaign promises. But that's the actual place that the Bible says will be the capital of the Jewish state of Israel. That was said 3,000 years ago to King David, Second Samuel chapter 5. We talked about with David Dolan, Hamas, and the Gaza Strip and the war that's been going on there at the Gaza-Israeli border. The Bible says the Palestinian people would return. They are the descendants of Esau. They would rebuild, and the Bible tells us in Malachi 1 that their borders would be the borders of wickedness. The Lord would have indignation against them forever. When David reports about the Gaza activities, we know that is setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Winky Madad talked about the prime minister going to early elections. That will be in April of 2019. He is a political leader, and we know political leaders make political decisions. Revelation chapter 17, verse 17, that will indeed set Bible prophecy in play at that time. God brought human government into existence for doing actually that. Itamar Marcus, he has palwatch.org. That's the website for the Palestinian Media Watch. They monitor what the Palestinian media says. They said this Christmas that the celebration of Christmas was in honor of Jesus, the first Palestinian. Well, at that time, there was no state called Palestine. There was no area called Palestine. Of course, you remember there's never been a state of Palestine. However, Bible prophecy says that they will come back. And in Ezekiel chapter 35, it says, The Palestinian people, the descendants of Esau, will rise up, kill the Jewish people, and then steal their land. That is being played out in the modern-day state of Israel today. You see, everything we talked about on this broadcast gives us evidence of where we are in God's plan, even with John Rood when I talked about Brexit and the pullout of the European Union, which is a foundation for the revived Roman Empire, a military that is needed as the threat of Russia continues to rise against the European Union. In all of this review, we have seen how possible it would be in 2019 for the rapture to take place. In fact, that is the next event on God's calendar of activities. That's up next, and it could happen even today. Having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until... Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today.